0: Just go to Indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: It's game time on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin, alongside Curtis Patrick. We are two of the owners here at roto I was feeling a little under the weather last night, so we did not record an episode on Monday. It's Tuesday evening. I am looking right now at Mr. Curtis Patrick on StreamYard. We're going to play some games tonight. I'm looking forward to it. It's that perfect time of year, Curtis, where I do not need to run heating in my house and it is still comfortable inside, can save a couple of dollars. We normally get a couple of weeks like this during the year where you're nice and comfortable. So I'm happy about that. How are you doing?
2: Oh yeah, man. This it's been great, like sleeping weather. Yeah. Right? I mean, I wish I got more of it, but it's been great sleeping weather. Um, this is one of the this is one of the really exciting times of year, like just thinking about the time of life that that we're both in. I know our kids are slightly different ages, but you, know, you have kind of the end of the school year, you know, all the excitement buzzing from the kiddos about the summer to come and uh, some of the sports seasons are ending. And so as parents, we're thinking about, all right, it's maybe two less trips to a soccer field <laughs> per week uh, for the next two months or something like that. And, you know, yeah, it is nice. And we are just, I mean, we are slamming the best ball drafts. Uh, all of the dynasty rookie drafts are pretty much you know, completed at this point. And so I just feel like I'm totally into 2022 uh, fantasy season, like just, just rocking and rolling, man. I've got a bunch of FFPC, best ball tournament drafts going. I think I'm seven deep now, really liking some of these rosters. I feel like I see the board just exactly the way I need to see it. People are overdrafting a lot of middling tight ends, like in the <laughs> first three and four rounds. It's really fun to see a lot of values there. And then the, uh, the underdog best ball mania three has uh, just been really fun. I think I'm about 20 deep in that tournament. And, um, yeah, uh, different values on that, on that platform than, than what I'm seeing in FFPC. So really, really enjoying the analysis on, on both of those games by uh, some of the great analysts on the site, plenty on Rotobiz.com breaking down each of those contests over the last two weeks. And I know some of the things that we're going to hit tonight in these mini games that you got for us, Dave, are going to help people make some decisions in key areas of the draft.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, you know, it is, it is all on now to marathon now, basically for the next couple of months until the season starts. But why don't you hit me with a drop Curtis for an FFPC stat attack? So of quarterbacks being drafted in the first 11 rounds of FFPC best ball leagues to a Tagovailoa or Tungavailoa as we talked about before, uh, has had the biggest drop in the last 20 days. Uh, and as a result, we have Mr. Tyreek Hill chiming in, talking about how accurate of a quarterback Tua is. We will see why this ties in here later. I will say last year he did have a strong air yards conversion percentage, did pretty good in our advanced stats explore at avoiding sacks. Of course, a lot of that came on the heels of of a low ADOT. We will be talking a little bit more uh, later on about Tua and a couple of other quarterbacks, but it was interesting to see um, his ADP taking a pretty significant shift in this time of year where there's really not a whole lot happening in the news cycle. But that is today's FFPC stat attack. Make sure that you head over to the FFPC for all of your season long, your dynasty needs. Best Ball Leagues, you want to play it, they have it. Uh, Let's get into these games, Curtis. All right. The first thing that we are going to play is one of these doesn't belong. I am going to rattle off three names of players at the same position that have relatively similar ADPs. And Curtis is going to tell me which one of those players stands out from the pack. I have given him creative license here. So Mm. some of these questions are hard. So he, you know, can can take a outside of the box approach here. First group of players.
2: (laughs) 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 Put them all. (laughs) A little too far.
1: Yeah, a little too far outside the (laughs) box. All right. We got Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz Mm. and Dawson Knox. Now, I will say that there is a bit of a difference here. In the overall all ADP between Goddard coming in around 60 and Ertz and Knox, who are both in the 80s, which one of these three tight ends does not belong?
2: A <sighs> couple different ways you could go here. Um, I'll go with the way that I think is that it's probably the, the right one because it's not assuming like injuries would occur, even if a player, you know, maybe is a little injury prone. Um, I'm going to say Dallas Goddard doesn't, doesn't belong. Um, I, I think, you know, the team adding AJ Brown, uh, it, it certainly pushes Goddard down, you know, a peg in the, in the competition for targets, uh, ladder. And so, you know, Ertz is looking like, you know, as long as he's definitively better than Trey McBride, uh, this summer, and as long as Kyler Murray shows up to play ball, I mean, Ertz actually figures to be even busier at least early in the season while DeAndre Hopkins is out. Um, and Dawson Knox, you know, I, I think that team's uh, past catching core is in uh, transition as well. Um, I think they're going to be a little bit less veteran heavy. Cole Beasley is gone. Um, what type of role will Manny Sanders have if, if brought back? Uh, you know, will Gabe Davis be able to actually lock it down? I mean, I think Dawson Knox's role at worst would remain the same. Goddard seems to be the one that would suffer. And he's also the most expensive of the three. So I understand like the appeal of stacking him with Hertz because it's, you know, it's cheaper to do than to, to chase, you know, Devonte Smith or AJ Brown. So I, I get some of that, but I think, you know, his outlook in 2020, 2022 is, is headed the opposite direction, at least, uh, you know, by my napkin math there.
1: Yeah. You know, this was one, when I first looked at it, I wasn't really sure how to approach it I was kind of going back and forth. But as I listened to you talk about, I think Goddard here is the player to highlight because what I'm thinking about when I look at his name in comparison to tight ends that come after, he's kind of out there in no man's land, right? Sometimes you will go after a position because the players that are available at the other positions don't really provide much value to your team. But I think this is a case where the amount of separation that you see in ADP between Goddard and those that follow him does not reflect the actual separation that's there. So he looks to me like a player that's easy to pass on this year. And I think that also, if I'm looking for, if I'm looking at the other options, Zach Ertz could be the other choice here. Because as you said, I feel like there's the most defined role. So there's a couple of ways you could have gone here, Um, but I, I like the direction that you took it. So I think where we've landed here. We are still big fans of Jalen Hurts, but his tight end Dallas Goddard, we are probably not big fans of heading into 2022.
2: Yeah, and let's just look briefly before we go on to the next uh, position. Let's look briefly above these three and below these three. You know, immediately above Goddard and ADP, you have TJ Hawkinson, um, Dalton Schultz, and and George Kittle, all who have shown, at least in short order, that they can be target hogs in those offenses. And I, I think when you look at Goddard, Ertz, and Knox, I mean, Ertz is the one that I think if one of those three would approach the target volume, the raw target volume of any of those tight ends taken above, it would be him. Um, And if we look below at Pat Fryermuth, Mike Kosicki, Albert uh, Okoye-Bunum, Goddard to me is much more similar to those players in terms of the, the role projection and the potential passing volume in the offense. I mean, Fryermuth, you know, he's battling with Deontay Johnson And, you know, whatever combination of the really talented wide receivers that are going to potentially be in in, in play for wide receiver two there. And Najee Harris was also very involved as a pass catcher last year. Gisicki, obviously, you know, competing with Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddell, and Chase Edmonds, and Okoye Boonham with Judy Hamler, Sutton. Uh, And then, you know, two, two talented pass catching backs there, and Melvin Gordon and... Uh, Javante Williams. So uh, to me, Goddard's situation is just so much closer to those guys. I mean, I think he's being grossly overdrafted.
1: Yep. Perfectly fair. All right. So let's continue along here. <laughs> This is going to be a hard one, I think. I think there's kind of a default answer here. I see the this highlights is wide the receivers.
2: Mardeeves. I'm punting this one. We I said have T. I was Higgins <laughs> at an ADP
1: of 31.2, Keenan Allen an yeah. ADP of 32.3, and Jalen Waddell mm. with an ADP of 37.5. If you do not have a clear direction in which you want to take this, I kind of have a question that we could use to discuss these three players.
2: We're well, giving me creative license, so I think the easy out here would be Jalen Waddle, because of the level of quarterback talent. Mm-hmm. You know, I, th- I think w- when I think about, uh, you know, a quarterback who could potentially, you know, battle for top five or even top three fantasy status and the, the type of offense that's being played, having more of a downfield element to it. I mean, we've seen it from Burrow, we've seen it from Herbert. And so to be a primary or secondary weapon in those offenses where the quarterback's going to help you get some of it and you're not going to have to get it all on your own, to me, that is a little bit of a, a line of demarcation. Um, and, you know, it's easier to project the roles for Higgins and Allen because there's more stability in those wide receiver cores. Um, yep. Waddle, you know, we, we have, I mean, Miami added everybody. I mean, they brought in Tyree Kill. Uh, they signed Cedric Wilson. They drafted Eric Azucanma. They brought in Chase Edmonds. Um, there's a lot going on and a new coach. Yep. So to me, that's a, a pretty easy way to, to solve this one.
1: Yeah. So the question that I I was kind of feeling like we could throw into the mix here is when you look at these three players, I think if I ask the question, which player has the least upside, a knee jerk reaction might be Keenan Allen, just because at this point he's old. But really, when you think about it, I think he's still most... He, he's better positioned to be the focal point still of his wide receiver core, even with Mike Williams there uh, in comparison to Waddle, who now has Tyree kill there. And then when you look at what the Bengals offense did last year, you can spin easily a story for Higgins having more upside, you know, than the other two, if you feel like going that way, uh, just thoughts on that.
2: I mean, Allen's definitely the most solid. I mean, he, he has the most established floor. I mean, he's got, Five straight seasons. I'm looking in our NFL Stat Explorer. Uh so I'm only looking at the last five seasons because it's, you know, that's the relevant sample that shows up in our tool. Yep. Uh two hundred and forty nine or more PPR Raw scored the last five seasons. Um, you know, last year he was eighth in targets, sixth in receptions, eleventh uh overall at the position in PPR and twelfth in PPR per game, sixth in expected points per game. I just think it is a you know, I understand that that Mike Williams took a little bit of a step forward and they paid him. But the, I mean, the type of ball that Allen plays, like, yes, I understand people are saying that he's getting a little, a little older. I mean, since when is that, you know, mattered dramatically uh, for a primary slot receiver? I mean, I, I don't know. Like I, he's never been the most athletic of guys. Like this is a, this is a a Landry Thielen. you know, it's a different type of situation. Um, so that doesn't really worry me when I, when I think about Waddle, um, you know, the big plays can be a little bit fluky and he's getting pushed down that wide receiver chart. And then with Higgins too, you know, could, will Chase really, like, is he going to become a Julio Jones level talent that's getting the 1800 receiving yards, you know, every single year and and really holding down that secondary receiver. And then, you know, we have Tyler Boyd there still too. Um, and Joe Mixon taking a step forward, you know, last year. I, I think Higgins to me feels like he has maybe a slightly higher ceiling from a touchdown scoring perspective than Allen, but Allen feels the safest to me. I yep. mean, I I don't know. I like I know that we want to be drafting players that, you know, probably figure to have a higher ADP next year. Um, you know, I, I get it. Like I get the reasons that people would prefer Waddle or Higgins here, but I've been taking Keenan Allen in third round, you know, all offseason. Like, he's probably one of my most owned players in the post NFL draft best ball tournaments on both sides.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. This feels like, you know, it might be the last hurrah possibly that we see Allen sneaking his way into the wide receiver one ranks. If you think that that's fine, but I don't think that it precludes you from going after him this season, especially in comparison to some of the players. That are in that range he's a player that still makes sense to to have exposure to so the last players that we will talk about within this game we will turn our attention towards running back this is another hard one here man <laughs> saquon barkley
0: james connor Thanks. and Brees hall we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: Yeah, it's, it's a really hard one. Um, yeah, Bar- I mean, Barkley's going, you know, the better part of a round earlier than Connor uh, and like a full round earlier than Brees Hall. Um, there's question marks about all three of them, you know, with, with Barkley, it's really about the health. Cause you like, you like Brian Dayball coming in. I mean, I think Brian Dayball will, will reestablish Barkley as a primary receiving weapon on the team. So it's really just the health question, I think, yep. um, with Connor, it's also, it's also a health question. Um, and he didn't have nearly the receiving, you know, role that we would, and we wouldn't expect him to either. Uh, nearly the receiving role that that I would figure for for Barkley or even for Hall. I mean, Connor was the RB five last year, but just thirty fifth at the position in targets. Um, now you know Edmonds leaving is 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 one thing, but with Keontae Ingram, with you know Benjamin, you know other backs that have more of that receiving skill set. I mean, Connor, Connor gave us you know workman like receiving production in his years in Pittsburgh. So It's not that he. You know, couldn't do it in, in maybe an ugly fashion, but I think both of the backs that figured to, to back them up, probably better in that category. So, um, you know, you also got Kyler Murray running around back there, uh, a little bit less likely to check it down anyway, um, versus the backs on, or versus quarterbacks in these other teams, Brees Hall, you know, all of Blair Andrews, awesome work over the years, you know, you really want to get these backs, you know, in the first year or two of their career, uh, when they're going to be hyper efficient, and you know, and and when they really bust out. Um, so yeah, this one's really tough. I think Connor. I, th- in some ways, Connor is like the most solid bet here. But of these three, I'd I'd fade. Uh, I'd fade him of the three. I I think Brees Hall could potentially end up being under drafted. You know, by a full round and a half. I mean. You know, we could look back at the end of the season and and say that, you know, you really should have been going in the Javante Williams range, um, or maybe even higher. Um, and you know, with Barkley at this point, the physical specimen that that he is, I think there's reason to believe that there's reason to bet and take that calculated bet that he is going to be fully healthy. And you know, I think Brian Dayball will get whatever it may be. He'll get the best out of Daniel Jones and the rest of the supporting cast in in New York. So. I'm going to say James Conner stands out for those reasons of these three. I'm really interested to hear your take because it is a, it is a confusing, it is a confusing group. And in in many ways that it feels like the tear break is after that as well. Like with acres, Montgomery Gibson and Zeke, I don't see like the ceilings of all those players. Just, it feels like the three that you've highlighted, those ceilings are a little bit higher. I mean, we literally just saw Connor, you know, yep. finishes the RB five last year. And, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't figure Akers, Montgomery or Gibson or Elliott to have that type of ceiling this year. So what are your thoughts here, man?
1: Yeah. So how I would approach this is I would say that Brees Hall is the one that stands out because he's the one that I am the most interested in drafting. This goes back to Blair's work that you have alluded to because of these backs, in my personal opinion, if one of them is going to ball out and far exceed where they're being selected, it's going to be Brees Hall. We've seen that season for James Conner. I don't think that it can happen again. I think he could still be a good pick, but I'm not expecting him to be able to sneak his way into that top, uh, one through six running back ranking this year for Saquon Barkley. I still think it's less likely. Um, you know, I think his heyday has come And gone from a fantasy perspective. So, with that section of the draft, if I'm drafting a running back, Brees Hall is the one that I want. So that's how I would go ahead and 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 kind of break this question apart.
2: So you've got that you've got that uh, round two, round three turn as a small little RB dead zone. Um, (laughs) I'm guessing then, and and I I'm I'm opting for the wide receivers there. That's assuming though. That's that's
1: assuming like if I'm drafting one team. Right. Like for best ball, Barkley will be sprinkled in there. James Conner will be in there. But if I was playing just one or two redraft leagues, that that's, you know, how things would go.
2: Yeah. And just for context, I mean, I talked about the players uh, below these backs, but if you haven't started drafting yet um, where these players are going, I mean, Barkley's going just after, um, I mean, within two picks of, you know, by ADP, Alvin Kamara, Leonard Fournette, Aaron Jones and Nick Chubb a player that I've been taking in the second and then whenever he slides into third, it's an automatic. I've been getting a little bit more turned on to Aaron Jones in this corridor. Um, you know, just thinking about the, the absence of receiving talent in green Bay. Um, will we, will we see a little bit more work for him there? Um, you know, with those high value touches and, and, and Dylan maybe, you know, Eating the yardage between the uh, between the twenties this year, so I, I'm pretty in on Aaron Jones. We've already seen him score touchdowns among you know the, the best in the league and you know, earlier in his career. So uh, yeah, that's just a uh, I'm just adding that in. I know it's not part of the game, but I just wanted to mention him.
1: Well, you know what, Curtis, I think <laughs> that might set us up nicely for the next question. We're going to try to hit these a little bit quicker, so I'm going to give us a lightning round sound effect. Okay, we're calling this roster trade cut. This is for redraft purposes. We're going to say that you inherit a redraft roster that you have to manage through the 2022 season. On this roster, you have Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, Antonio Gibson. One of them you can trade, see what you can get. Another guy you're definitely going to keep on the roster. Another one you are going to cut. Sounds like you want to roster Aaron Jones out of this group, and then we will see what you do from there.
2: Yeah, I'll I'll just go in in the order you have them listed here. Roster Aaron Jones, trade Nick Chubb, cut Antonio Gibson. Gibson's backfield got more crowded, and uh you know, new quarterback, new wide receiver talent. Um and he he hasn't shown us that elite ceiling that we were hoping for early. So I'm gonna take the established backs here.
1: Yep. No disagreement from me um pressing along this one i think could be a little bit more interesting now this is a trio of wide receivers with adps between 115 through around 120 and they are Christian Kirk, Chase Claypool and Kadarius Tony oh man <laughs>
2: Um, and this is right, a very
1: real decision point, right? Because you yeah. come to, in a lot of drafts, a gr- like groupings of wide receivers that look yeah. like this trio.
2: Yeah. And then, I mean, for frame of reference, I'm not pulling the trigger on at, at the current ADPs on these guys at all. I had a lot of Tony in the pre NFL draft, um, uh, best ball exercises I was going through, but you know, now I'm typically on, on quarterback, uh, running back or maybe my tight end too in this area. So really avoiding, I'm I'm trying to be done with wide receiver uh, by this time in drafts typically. So uh, Christian Kirk, most solid role chase Claypool quarterback controversy this year and new talent added in the draft. Kadarius Tony, exciting new coach questions about his motivation. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to roster Kadarius Tony. Trade Christian Kirk and cut Chase Claypool.
1: Yep, that's exactly how, how I would have gone for that one. Uh and real quickly, Curtis, remind everybody if they were interested in getting Kadarius Toney on a best ball team this year, one way that maybe they could do that.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, you could do you could do it on underdog is one way that you could do it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> could, I mean, you could enter Best Ball Mania 3, you go to under underdogfantasy.com, use promo code RotoViz, Deposit up to $100 and uh, a deposit up to $100 is going to be matched dollar for dollar. So go to underdogfantasy.com, download the app, use promo code Rotovis uh, uh, with that first deposit. And yeah, you you too could make a decision between Tony, Claypool, and Kirk in your first draft.
1: Okay. So at the top of the show, we quickly talked about Tua Vailoa. I am looking at quarterbacks now. That that my note here, Curtis, should say 110 through 121 is the ADP, not 10 through 20, <laughs> not 10 through 121, because any of these players yeah. would be ridiculous yeah. in that range.
2: My so, brain filled it in. Yes, yeah.
1: I appreciate that. So you got Tua, Justin Fields, and Matt Ryan. Uh which one of these guys are you gonna roster? Who are you gonna trade and who are you going to cut?
2: Yeah, man. I mean, I'm gonna cut Matt Ryan, so let's just get that out of the way. Yep. Um you know it's pretty tricky. You know i I think Fields has higher upside than than Tua, but probably lower lows as well. I mean, the surrounding talent around him is really questionable. Um, both of these guys, you know, have new you know new offensive regimes coming in. I mean, Tua has every reason not to fail. He's just so propped up right now. And I think what you could get in trade from Fields, I mean, with Tua having the the drop, you know, the the tanking ADP after just you know one bad throw showing up on video, I think you can get more for Fields. So I'm gonna roster Tua, trade Fields, and cut Ryan.
1: Yes, so I'm happy about this because I led off with Tua, right? Because after I was looking through these questions, this one felt like the question that might have us going a direction that would not seem obvious. At first. And I think that you nailed basically sure. the direction that my mind was going with. Um, you know, and the other thing I was gonna add here, obviously, with these players, if you miss, it's not that big of a deal. But I do think that you could find yourself in a situation where it's easy enough to just trot Tua out there week after week, you know, probably not gonna be the most explosive option, but probably gonna be a quarterback that you can get by with. So it's interesting to see uh Tua. Maintaining here uh, on our roster, and Matt Ryan, we have reached the point where he is just getting cut. Oh, that point might even have come a while back.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, put putting the horseshoe on his helmet doesn't really change anything. I mean, yep. you know, it's Jonathan Taylor time up yeah. there. It's
1: and not I Matt think Ryan time. we actually talked about it last week that uh, his range of outcomes projection for twenty twenty two, and we'll be talking about range of outcomes in our show that drops on Friday was pretty heinous. Um so my point was, you know, if you wanted to start to get excited because of the move, historically we're at the point where you are past peak Matt Ryan and I didn't think that there was enough to really change the story there.
2: So, we if you are- wanted to make that question murder for me, you would have thrown Kirk Cousins in there instead. That, <laughs> I I I I my brain would have exploded because uh in that range um I feel like, you know, Cousins Cousins could maybe be this year's Matt Stafford. Um,
1: Oh yeah. Well, there's no question about it. You roster Kirk Cousins. I wrote about this like weekly last year until I felt like there was no sense in beating that dead horse anymore. (laughs) Kirk Cousins should have been on rosters going into the season and he should have been on picked up every single week that he was available. Yeah. Yeah. All
2: right. How do you really feel Dave? I mean, you um, like that. That was
1: Kirk Cousins, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) You like that. You like
1: that.
2: that that's as fiery as as you'll get out of Dave Kaven. Uh, But yeah, I mean, like Tua Fields, Cousins at that point of draft, like those are like the last three guys that I feel comfortable only ha- having a build where I only select three quarterbacks. Like if one of those guys is my QB two, I'm willing to bet on the upside of Tua Fields um, or or Cousins uh, as long as I had you know selected you know an earlier QB at that point as well. So just another little draft nugget.